Welcome into the Illini Inquirer podcast, Isaac Trotter and Jeremy Warner. What does this make this episode? Episode 18 for us, Jeremy? I mean, we, we've been cranking these out over the last couple weeks. I think it's 19. 19. That's a yeah, lot of episodes. So we're, we're almost into the 20s. Um, yeah, I mean, I think the good thing is people are asking for more. We got to tweet this morning saying, like, I, I check every morning make, to see if you guys have one. So that's good. Uh, I can leave them wanting a, a little bit. But uh, yeah, I mean, we don't want to do one every day and then you're not like, listening to it. So got to leave them wanting yeah, absolutely. All right, let's take a look at what we're going to do today. We're going to look back at UConn just a little bit. We also have to have our jersey take days. Illinois basketball releases their uniforms. Saw a lot of good ones from there. Antonio Doyle, the four-star linebacker, is going to visit. Also, we have some lists. We're big fans of lists at Illini Inquirer, so we're going to go over our mm-hmm. top five winnable games, our top five freshmen, and our top ten Illini players through two games. There's a lot of variants that we could have here, so that'll be fun to get into. And then right before we end the podcast, we're going to go over Eastern Michigan a little bit, give our preview, give our predictions, what we're looking for, our click to pick, all of those different things. So we're going to take a quick timeout. When we get back, we'll get all into it on the Illini Inquirer podcast. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. All right, welcome back to the Line Inquirer podcast. 2-0, Illinois wins over UConn 31-23. They find a way to get it done. And Jeremy, it feels like that was a game that we didn't see what we wanted to see per se, because, I mean, the 21-point spread, we kind of wanted to see a blowout, but we didn't see what we wanted. But at the end of the day, Illinois 2-0, that's kind of all that matters, right? Because in four or five weeks, if we're looking back here and Illinois gets past Rutgers, gets past a Minnesota or Purdue, and they're bowl eligible, no one will care about how, how the UConn win looked as long as you won that game. We used to say on Tay and Jay show, uh, we called a couple seasons uh, the non-conference schedule prolonged relevancy, like Operation Prolonged Relevancy. So like that football would be interesting going into October so that it could build a bridge to basketball, which everyone wanted to get to in, in the John Gross era, even in some of those bad years. So, like, yes, they have gone 2-0. and That's exactly what we wanted. And, boy, it's a lot nicer to talk about a 2-0 and team rather than 1-1. One and one. People doubting Lovey Smith, talking about hot lists on coaching, right? That, that's what we'd be talking about if they didn't come back and win against UConn. So it is a breath of fresh air not to be talking about those things or having to be talking about those things. But there were some concerns from that game. And most of it, most of it Isaac, was just shooting yourself in the foot, right? I mean, it's penalties and really the turnovers. You take away the Brandon Peters pick six i think illinois can roll in that game you take away the two fumbles which were really just kind of careless one blocking mistake uh, it was a good blitz call uh, but two then dominic stampley seemingly not knowing what the play was you take away those things i think illinois does cover the spread which is kind of what we determined the success in that game but ultimately success was winning and illinois i thought defensively looked really good for the most part um and, and we talked about some of the coverage things well they, they still got you know, two interceptions, uh, and they got to, what five sacks in that game. So I think ultimately, defensively, that was a really good game where the team uh, defensively only gave up one touchdown. Um, offensively, there were just too many miscues, but you did see your quarterback make big plays. You did see your wide receivers 
make some big plays, and you played well enough to beat a bad team. Uh, but it does leave a, a little bit of doubt so far. Now, a lot of teams are feeling that doubt, whether it's Nebraska, Northwestern, Minnesota, uh, Purdue. A lot of teams still have somewhat kind of doubt uh, a couple weeks in, so it's not a surprise. This is what the preseason and non-conference schedule is for. But, yeah, you would have liked a cleaner win, but at the end of the day, you're 2-0, and and you got a chance to go 3-0 and going into a primetime Nebraska. One interesting stat that I was looking at was Bill Connolly does a great job for ESPN. He, he had his top 15 in havoc rate through two weeks. Illinois is second in that at 29%. And what is a havoc rate? Well, it's basically, what are you doing? Pass deflections, interceptions, it, it measures tackles for loss and sacks and all of these different things. And Illinois has been getting after it defensively, and I think a lot has to do with the def- defensive line. And that was our biggest question after training camp because we didn't think mm-hmm. that Isaiah Gay or Owen Carney were going to be able to get it done. And, and they we, we were right. We were, <laughs> we were very right because those two guys that barely played, Owen Carney didn't have a, sa- a tackle against UConn. Uh, Isaiah Gay played sparingly. Uh, Wale Batiku played like 57 snaps is, is a big career high for him. But Batiku's been awesome. It's been these defensive tackles, though. And you had a story up on IlliniInquire.com about Jamal Milan and how well he's played. But I think Jamal Woods has been just as good as Milan, if not better. I think Larry Oladipo has had his moments as well, too. I think we're sleeping on how good this defensive line has been early on. I think we've talked about it. But at the same time, like, I get it's Akron, I get it's UConn, but I think this defensive line could even get a little bit better as they get older and, and more experienced and continue to play more. And as Patiku plays more, I mean, five sacks for two games, you would have, I didn't think you'd get five sacks this entire year. So he's got a chance to break double digit sacks if that hadn't happened at Illinois in a really long time. If I would have told you, though, before last year that going into 2019, the Illinois defensive line would be pretty good, that would kind of be the expectation, right? And, and I think one thing I, I did probably a poor job of. Uh, in the offseason was talking about the injuries to the defensive tackles or, or just the lack of games from some of their most important players at defensive tackle. Last year at training camp, the top four defensive tackles were Jamal Milan, um, Tymeer Oliver, um, Jamal Woods, and Laurel Adipo. And three of those guys did miss a significant portion of the game uh, of the season. Uh, Jamal Woods, the last eight games. What Laurel Oladipo, eight of the last ten games uh, due to the off-field stuff and injuries, or, or at least you know eight of the twelve games during the season. And Jamal Lamb missed the first four. Jamal Woods missed the last eight. So th- those guys were really important to the defense, and they didn't play uh, enough football. So I don't think I put into account how much that affected, especially the running defense. I, I don't think it would have made that team great, uh, Isaac. Obviously. But they played uh, Kenyon Jackson more than they probably wanted to. Now Kenyon's, what, the fifth defensive tackle. Calvin Avery probably played more than he really should have or earned last year, but he had to play, and he had some nice moments, also had some bad ones. So that is the strength depth-wise of the defense, is defensive tackle. So I'm not shocked that they're playing well, but I think I overlooked during the offseason what the lack of some of those guys was. Wally Batiku is obviously better than we even thought or we saw during training camp. Now, I do think it's, it's against UConn and Akron, right? Two of the f- five worst, at least ranked according to uh, all these metrics, FBS teams. So this week will be a nice, uh, nice better test. Eastern Michigan's not great, but they're pretty good against in pass protection. Uh, then you're going to get bigger tests going into Big Ten play. But it's certainly better than I thought it would be. But they had to raise the bar, right? They, they needed this. But without Bobby Roundtree, it's been awesome to see. Um, some guy with this kind of disruption or this kind of talent on the edge with Wally Batiku. Isaac, I didn't think it was going to shine through this early, though. I, I really didn't. And, but I think Jamal Milan's been 
really, really good too. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, when I look at Batiku, I think that there's a there's such a stigma here when you look at a five star recruit and the number fifteen recruit in the country, and you expect him to come in and be a star right away. So we talked about that where we said he's going to be raw. He's probably not going to be ready to play right away. I'll tell you what, through two games, he looks like a former five-star recruit that was like a number 15 kid in his class. And, yeah, and if kudos he, to him and Austin Clark for that, right? It is. And, and yeah. the part of that is just being comfortable and having the trust of a coaching staff. He never had the trust of a coaching staff at USC. This year, Austin Clark's been all over him and, and, and talking him up all the time and constantly working with him. And you talk to some of the guys around him, he's one of the most humble guys on the team. He's watching film all the time. Like That's really important. I don't think this Wale Batiku news or his experience explosiveness is a fluke at all. I think this is kind of what we should expect moving forward. Now, I don't think he's going to finish the year with what? What is he on pace for? 30 sacks? <laughs> That's probably not 32 sacks? I don't know. That's probably not going to happen. But at the same time, this isn't a guy that's just going to disappear either because yeah. his, his body, his work ethic, his frame, what he does, his explosiveness, his measurables, they're all legit. Yeah, I think he's going to make some mistakes probably in the run game, right? He's still got – they'd even say he's got to improve a little bit there, but I don't think the talent, the work ethic, the motor is what I love the most about him. And Austin Clark t- said when, when they got Batiku that, you know, we think he's a different player with a hand on the ground. He didn't play with a hand in the ground at USC. He was a 3-4 outside linebacker. Uh, it seemed like he was kind of a square peg in a round hole in that defense. So I think that's opened him up a little bit, and, and kudos to Austin Clark for, for getting the most out of him. But, yeah, I think that's the – if you want to focus like – Brandon Peters has been really good, and we'll chat about him in a little bit, I'm sure. But uh, defensively, um, has been impressive. Even against bad opponents – they didn't play good again or well against bad opponents in the past, right? Kent State or Ball State putting up the numbers they did, even Western Illinois. That was a right? game for a long time. You needed put, MJ Rivers to play well in that second half. Would they put up 350 yards yeah. of total offense? Like you, you can't do that. And I know UConn got some yards in the passing game, but it's been great to see them dominate up front like a Big Ten team should. Absolutely. And we're going to get into the top 10 rankings of Illinois football players in a little bit in the next segment. And I'm interested to see for you – where Batiku ranks on this list, where Brandon Peters and the rest of the transfers. But let's look at recruiting real quick. Illinois is going to host four-star Missouri Lutheran North linebacker Antonio Doyle for an official visit on October 19th. That's homecoming against Wisconsin. Kind of a big deal. Uh, Doyle's going to also visit Oklahoma and Texas A&M. He's got those uh, visits uh, on the plan, on, on the schedule, and he's also taken an official visit to Missouri where he originally committed. So this is going to be an interesting thing. I mean, I look at this class right now in the class of 2020, and Illinois did such a good job with linebackers in the class of 2019 with Shimon Cooper. Tariq Barnes was a late ad that's worked out great. He's already on the second string right now at middle linebacker. But if you could add a player like Doyle to this 2020 class, that would be huge. But again, we're talking about you're going up against some of the big time names in college football. Texas A&M, Oklahoma obviously have a lot to sell. Missouri's still a very viable option here for Doyle. So where do you think Illinois sits with him right now? Is this a, a, a courtesy visit for Corey Patterson or does Illinois have a real chance um i think a little bit of both there but i think that tells you you, you know you get a cory patterson in here and and kudos to illinois and lovey smith i think is given some credibility that these guys will actually visit whether it's antonio johnson or you know even dating back to a guy like cj dixon right like you have some credibility with these guys uh, where they will actually consider you and use an official visit. So I think Carl Reed and Corey Patterson's relationship pays off, but Corey's built up a relationship with Antonio Doyle. Listen, the crystal ball favors Texas A&M right now. Oklahoma's in the mix. You can't compete 
with what those programs have put on the field. You can't compete right now with what Missouri has put on the field. But if you win games here, Isaac, if you enter that homecoming game against Wisconsin with a 5-1 and one record, right, and have shocked Nebraska and maybe picked up a win at Minnesota or maybe shocked Michigan, right, it's not crazy to think that Antonio Doyle would more seriously consider you. I mean, he committed to Missouri, which did not have a great year last year and hasn't got off to a great start this year. Um, so that means he might want to be closer to home, I, I would imagine. So if you got a relationship, you got some buzz building, and you got guys like Dele Harding and Jake Hansen and Mio Eifler playing well for you, then maybe you have a shot. I, I don't think Illinois should be considered the front runner, but. It wouldn't surprise me, Isaac, because I know Illinois has really focused on him and thought they had a shot at him, if they have a better chance than Missouri at this point because he's already decommitted from there. So I think things got to go their way and they have to show things on the field. But, heck, I'm okay with getting a courtesy visit from a guy like this or a guy like Antonio Johnson at this point because if you win games, maybe you can convince them. Yeah, it's so interesting because it feels like the next few months is so, so big on recruiting because if if you do beat some of these teams, think about the guys that Illinois still has great relationships with that are watching you. They're watching you. Whether whether he's committed to Ohio State or not, Mookie Cooper is watching how Illinois plays this year. Antonio Johnson, same thing. Antonio Doyle, too. Joe Moore. Joe Moore is is also. That's and. I think Joe Moore, like, this is one of the big reasons he's waiting, is to see what Illinois does. I really do. Because I think Minnesota had all the momentum. Then he visits Illinois, and all of a sudden he, he puts it off. I do think he wanted to visit Arizona State. Nebraska's gotten back in the mix, Wisconsin. And those programs, again, you can't compete with on the field. But I think Illinois has done a pretty dang good job to make him pause and go, okay, well, maybe I just want to see what they do on the field. Maybe Because I think the relationship there is as good as any program. And that's why I look at yeah, I think Eastern Michigan game obviously is huge, right? I mean, but let's say they get past Eastern Michigan, which they should. I mean, you're a Big Ten program getting past a middle-of-the-pack uh, MAC program. That's why I think Nebraska and Minnesota could be huge, huge games for Illinois this year. If you're finding a way to get one of those, maybe you get two, that changes everything of how you view, how Illinois is viewed on, on the recruiting trail, changes how it's viewed around here. Lovey Smith's job security is very much set in stone. It feels like those two games could be swing games. Plus, you got Nebraska at home, Minnesota, a team that doesn't look very good right now. They've had some struggles with Fresno State. They struggled in their season opener as well. It, it, this just feels like those two games – Michigan, I don't really care about right now because Michigan's just really, really good, and Michigan's Michigan, right? But those two, Nebraska and Minnesota, feel like such big, mm-hmm. big turning points well, for this team. And and those are, well, especially Nebraska. Even if Minnesota, they might be better than Nebraska, right? right like right. despite all the hype, um, Minnesota. I mean, they've won two tough games, but they have won them, right? And and they have a nice schedule that sets up well for them. That is a huge recruiting rival for you. And if you can go back-to-back years beating Minnesota, that's a statement to recruits. If you can beat Nebraska, what would it be, two out of four years? Right. <laughs> that, that, even though GMO! Yeah, we had two out of five years. Um, and you competed them with them uh, with Lovey Smith a little bit. That would be you know, a, a statement victory against a recruiting rival. You're not getting to a lot of head-to-head battles, but that's a Big Ten West team, and that would be a statement. So if you're even 4-1 and one through five games – uh, I think that's a huge, 
huge boost to you on the recruiting trail because I think it sets up at least a five and seven season, right? With the likelihood, I think if you win one of those games, I feel pretty comfortable with Illinois has a great chance of, of making a bowl game, given they have Northwestern, given that you have Rutgers and even a Purdue team. And I wouldn't, you know, some of these other Big Ten teams, I think you have a shot to beat because you've upgraded the, the roster. So, um, yeah, I, these couple weeks are monstrous, and that's why. Maybe you don't hear as much uh, on the recruiting trail. I mean, it is mid-season. This is typical. But the staff knows that the best thing they can do to help recruiting right now is to win games. So that should be the focus. doesn't mean you don't talk to guys, and they certainly are talking to guys a lot right now. But winning games is the most important. And if you get two wins in the next three weeks, yeah, I think a lot changes for the future of Illinois football. Things could get really fun around here in the last couple of weeks. It'd make yes. these podcasts even a little bit more yes. fun. All right, all right, we need to talk basketball real quick. The jerseys come out. I don't hate Jersey them. Jersey take day! Yeah, what's your... Uh, Jersey take day! Gosh, I should have listened to the Jeremy Warner show this morning <laughs> to hear Austin talk about this. But uh, Jersey take day, I didn't really... I'm not a big Jersey guy. I'm, I'm just not. I don't have a ton of jerseys in my closet. I think I have one Yachty Molina jersey. I think I have a Bear jersey back in the day that I got when I was a kid. But What's your favorite jersey? Like, what's your go-to, like, favorite jersey you've ever seen? Oh, man, there's a lot of good ones. I, I, this will upset some, some Illini fans. Yeah, tell me, what is it? North Carolina basketball jerseys are so sweet. Like yeah. that, that tar that tar heel blue is just it's so iconic. E- even the white with the blue, it's so good. I had a Jordan one growing up, so I'm a little partial to it. Um and I do think the San Diego Chargers powder blue yes. is pretty good. I, so San Diego is on my list. I also really like the new Houston Astros jerseys. Like a, a Bregman jersey would be really cool right now. Maybe Carlos Correa Altuve. Like even though I'm a Cardinal fan. Those jerseys are really, really sweet. Um, can I say that, again, I'm probably going to get into a, a little bit of trouble. Green Bay Packers, I think, is pretty sweet. Yeah, there's nothing wrong with them. That's the, uh, I, that's I like, the problem with it. I, I like Pittsburgh Steelers. I like that color contrast. Uh, Iowa, I like that color contrast. I think those are pretty You're good. a yellow and black guy, huh? Yeah, I just like the contrast of those colors. I, I, I think yellow is an under underutilized. Uh, so yeah. whenever there is a little bit of yellow, I, I kind of like, even like, I don't like Minnesota's colors per se, but I like that it's original. Like there's not a lot of other teams. There are far too many big 10 teams with red, right? Like Wisconsin, Nebraska, Rutgers, Maryland. Yeah. Ohio state. Ohio state. Right? Like I've, I've, they all have red. So it's like, I, I can't stand. So I like that. There's something different. Like Michigan state stands alone as green. Uh, Illinois stands alone as orange. So, uh, with these basketball jerseys though, as you know, Isaac, what do I say about the white football jerseys? I don't know what you say about this. Now I'm wondering. <laughs> I blue? think I told you this all the time. Wait, the white jerseys for Illinois football just pop. Oh, on our that's website. right. I, I did know that. They do they make just, our website look really good. They're sharp, man. They're really sharp, and I sound old when I say that word sharp, but they are. Like, and I like the orange. It pops. And what I like about the basketball jerseys now, I you know I like the um, the throwbacks. Yeah, like me too. Everybody does the flying Illini, and I'd be cool if they'd use that as just their normal jersey now. But at least football and basketball now they match. They are consistent. It is consistent branding. I hate the two tone. I think it is it was awful, and it's amazing that the big rebrand that Mike Thomas rolled out in what 2014 right. is all gone. There's I, I need to ask Whitman next time I see him, but the shield is done, right? You don't see any of that anymore. But at least there's consistency, and I do think whether you like the font or not, 
I like more the orange look. I like that there's not a, a blue outline on, on the numbers and stuff like that. So uh, I, I like that it's consistent, and I like the white. I, think, I just think it's sharp. Yeah, I, I, th- I like the fact that there's still ba- uh, last names on the back. Sometimes you see teams get away from those, and I don't ever want Illinois to get away from those. I, I enjoy that. I do like the orange as well. I think that it's nice not to have the stripes anymore. I wasn't a huge fan of the stripes, so it's good to get back to like the basics a little bit more. So overall, I don't hate these jerseys at all. I'm cool with wearing the, the throw throwbacks as much as you want if the guys wanted to wear the throwbacks every single game i'm yep. completely fine with that that you're never going to hear a complaint with me about it but if i think the, they'll still roll them out pretty sure often. sure i mean when indiana comes to town they'll wear those michigan state all of those different things so for the most part um i mean i guess if you're tuning into this alina inquirer podcast to hear hot takes about jerseys and hear a scream about them guys yeah i mean you're gonna have to go somewhere else i well, mean like, but you should know that by that point right like, well th- and this was pretty this was pretty safe right i, I don't think this was a kind of jersey that would upset people you know what I mean? Like, you could go Oregon-like, and I think Oregon's gotten kind of, hey, they can be as crazy as they want. Some of them are just awful. Some of them are really awful jerseys. I don't think this is one that people can go, oh, it's absolutely atrocious. Now, some design people might disagree with me or not, but I think it's pretty a pretty clean look, which I think a lot of teams are going for now. It's safe. It's safe. I'll, I'll be interested to see what their road jerseys are. If they go back to the dark blues. I mean, Illinois played well in those dark blues back in the Brandon Paul, DJ Richardson days. Would they, they go just on the road be, to Gonzaga and beat them. Would just be blue with the orange like yeah. they have now? I th- would it be a lot different than what the whites are? I'd be fine with that. I think that's a good look. I think it's fine. All right. Let's take a quick break because after this break, we're going to come back and we're going to talk all about our lists. And that's our biggest thing to do. Right? I mean, all right. Do you have this all like planned out? Like how many lists do you think you have in your notes app? I have a ton. Um, I have a lot, but I do have the three lists we have coming up. Yeah, but I'm I'm just if I went back through my notes app, I'd probably have about 40 different lists of random things. Who doesn't like a list, man? Yeah. Um, but we got, what, top 10 players, top five winnable games, and I might have a little surprise there. Uh, and the hardest part, I, the way, how do we do top five freshmen? The way I ordered it is guys will have the biggest impact the rest of the year. That's what I did, too. I did not. Okay. Yes, yeah, so that changes a little bit of who you might yeah. think is number one, number two. Yeah, and it's a little shocking from what we would have thought preseason. Yep, absolutely. All right, we're going to take a quick timeout. When we get back, it's time for lists. All right, welcome back to the Line I Inquire podcast, episode 19. Isaac Trotter and Jeremy Warner. Now we are going over our lists for Illinois football. And we're going to start with this the top 10 Illini players through two games. And here's how we'll do this let's start, let's go 10 to 1, and okay. we'll start at number 10 and go 10 and 9 for me, right? And then I'll do my 10 and 9, and we'll go back and forth. Okay. So um, number so 10, who do you got? Um, I am going with two linemen at 10 and 9. You want me to go back to back, right? Yes. Um, I am going with Jamal Woods at 10. I think he's been pretty disruptive. Um, and I think he's going to get a lot of one-on-one battles with Jamal Milan and Batiku getting a lot of attention. And I think that's going to be a good thing for Illinois. I think especially, um, he, he's going to lose some battles because he won't be as strong as some guys in the Big Ten, like Wisconsin worries me. And you might see a little bit more time here, Oliver, there. But uh, I think Jamal Woods has been disruptive and kind of picked up where he left last year. He's got two tackles for loss in two games. He had four in tackles for loss in four games last year. So that's pretty good. A tackle for loss per game out of your defensive tackle. Number nine, I'm going to go Kendrick Green. Um, I think he's been really, really solid. He's been really good in the run game. I think he's been the best run blocker 
that they have so far this year, and he's he's bowled over some people, which I would expect. But uh, two redshirt sophomore linemen who I think are going to be key cogs and foundation pieces for the next couple of years. Okay, so I have at number 10, I have Kendrick Green as well. He would have been a little bit higher for me in our if we did this before the season. I haven't, and it's not because he's been bad that he's been shifted down to 10, but it's just because other guys have shown a little bit more, and, and yes. you've seen the upside of some of these others. So I'm going Kendrick Green at 10. I still think he's their third best offensive lineman on the team and I think that what you've seen from him is a, an, an ability to add in the in, in pass blocking now right last year you could definitely prove that he was going to run block and he was going to run people over this year I think his pass blocking has been a little bit better and you saw against Akron early in, in the early going what type of run blocker he is now he is ridiculously good what did he do what did Rod Smith call it he molly whopped a dude that's <laughs> yeah, like the I best th- quote of the day I think one thing he's gotten better at is he's getting better at blocking in space Right, like last year, he'd get out there and be ready to make the block, and he wouldn't make the block. Like you couldn't lock on to somebody. He's been better at that. Yeah, I I agree. All right, number nine for me. I'm going Milo Eifler. I think that Milo's been a really integral integral part of what this Illinois defense needs. Uh, They needed a guy out in space who could move, who could hit hard, who could who could shut down tight ends, who could do a lot of different things. Milo Eifler has done absolutely that and and more. I mean, he had the two big hits uh, against Akron, which were awesome, but then he. Also against UConn, he had seven tackles. So I think he's fourth or fifth on the team right now in total tackles. Starting at strong side linebacker, you've seen him get in the backfield a little bit of times with his with some blitz that are nice. You see his coverage skills. I think he's an underrated piece. His numbers might not look awesome right now or pop yeah. out on the page, but he's really really good. I have him at nine. Yeah, I would have had him top ten after one week. Uh, I thought he had some struggles in pass coverage. Not not big things, but just a. a Tighten up some things, but that's to be expected for a guy uh, who wouldn't who hasn't played a lot. So I'd probably have him top twelve or fifteen. Yeah, on that he's list. really close to that top ten for you. Yeah, yeah. Uh, number eight and seven for me are the offensive tackles: Alex Palczewski and Vidarian Lowe. I could move these guys maybe a little bit higher. Palczewski's been solid. The only thing holding him back has been a couple holding penalties uh, in the run game. He's been called for a couple of those. So uh, otherwise, though, he's been really consistent about what you'd expect. Not perfect. Yet, um, and no, no one ever will be, but he has lived up to my expectations. Vidarian Lowe has as well. Uh, I think he's been really good. Again, a few things that he needs to clean up. Um, I think he's been pretty good, though, especially in, in pass blocking. He's been good. And I thought first game against Akron, run blocking was ridiculous. So I got the offensive tackles back-to-back at 8-7. and seven. Yeah, that, that's a I'm, – I disagree with you on that one, and we'll find out a little bit later. I, I'm, I'm much okay. more higher on them. Okay, number eight for me, I have Jake Hansen. I think that Hansen's been really impressive at times. There are times where you see sometimes in pass coverage he's not very good, but for the most part, he's done everything you want him to do. What is Jake Hansen's strengths? Well, he gets to the ball, and he makes tackles, right? And that's a exactly what he's done for Illinois through two games. I think that that is, you're starting to see a little bit more maturity from him. You're starting to see a little bit more comfort in the scheme and understanding what he needs to do. And last year, we kind of bashed on him after a year because of the fact that it was his first year, right? He's still kind of learning and, and figuring out the system. And there are some struggles that happen when it's your first year and you're coming off of a knee injury. So I think we we're a little unfair with our, our, our critiques of him last year as just a redshirt sophomore. But now as a junior, he's very established. I think he's getting back to playing at a high level, and I really like him. I think he's eight right now. Okay, here's number seven. Seven for me, Josh Bebe. Where would Illinois' offense be without a big physical wide receiver like Bebe? I mean, he has been everything you wanted of him. Two touchdown catches against UConn were huge. He had the go-ahead touchdown pass there. He has strong hands, great vertical, doing everything you wanted him to do and more. I have Bebe at seven. 
I got him higher. Um, okay. <laughs> I got both those guys a little higher on my list. Number six, some people might not have on the list. And I, I think um, I could understand if you'd put one of the offensive tackles in front of him. But all offseason, I kept saying, I think people are a little harsh on Ricky Smalling. And uh, I think he's had a great start to this season. Um, he hasn't had a drop. And I do think he caught the ball in the end zone at UConn. So I'm giving him Yes, he that. did that. That was a right? touchdown. I, I, I hate that a guy was penalized because he wanted to make sure the ball was crossing the plane. I think it's ridiculous. Like, we, What is a catch? It, it's just ridiculous in college and in the NFL. But this is a guy with 11 catches, 110 yards, um, should have had the touchdown, and you can add 15 or whatever you want to it. He's a really good Big Ten wideout. He's got 1,000 yards receiving, which not a lot of wide receivers have been able to say during their careers at Illinois. And and I think you've seen that a lot of things have opened up for him now that there are actual other wide receivers who can catch a ball on the team. So I think Ricky Smalling is a really good Big Ten wideout. I was saying it all offseason that, hey, this is a guy you can count on. And Brandon Peters has really opened things up for him as well as uh, Sydney and Amator Bebe. So yeah. I, I think Ricky Smalling deserves to be top six. See, I, I like what Ricky Smalling has done. I don't quite have him on. I didn't have him on my top ten. He would have been 11 yeah. for me, right? I was kind of going back and forth for him, so he's a little bit higher for you than he was for me. I still think that you're right in your premise, though, on what Ricky got slept on a little bit, kind of got a lot of heat, and now that he's healthy, now that he has a throwing quarterback, you're seeing the type of player that he is. And you could argue that Emmett Torbebe is is maybe the number one wide receiver right now just because of the touchdowns. I still think I go... Smalling based off the catches. I still think he's probably he your best overall yet wide receiver, but the only reason I have Emmitt Bebe over over Smalling right now is just because of the touchdowns and the impact that he's made, and without Emmitt Bebe, like you, you might not beat a UConn, right? Because he right. had those two huge plays. Well, Smalling also, there was a throw that Brandon Peters made a terrible throw. Right. Where Ricky was wide open in the end zone. Would have been like a 30-yard touchdown catch. So just little things like that where I think he's been targeted um, and Peters has missed him a, a couple times. So I, I think Smalling has been really good. I said before the season I thought he'd get 600-plus receiving yards. Right. That's, that's what he's on pace for. Okay, who's your five? Uh, my number five is Jamal Moan. Um, doesn't show up in the stat sheet. What's he got? Two tackles yeah. so far this season, two quarterback hurries and a, and a pass breakup. But he is just disrupting things consistently in the middle of that offensive line, and it makes everyone else's job easier. Batiku's first sack at UConn was all Jamal Milan. He just ran through two guys, just bowled them over. Um, and then a couple tackles for loss later in the game. One by Eifler. I guess it was at the line of scrimmage. But uh, Milan has been disruptive. It's not going to show up in the stat sheet. It has a little bit with the quarterback hurries, but I think he's just been really, really dominant in the middle. Okay, number six for me is Vidarian Lowe. And I think that what we've seen from him is, you know, he had a baby this offseason, and, and he's been really mature again. Uh, Bob McLean raved about him throughout training camp, and that type of version of Vidarian Lowe has stayed throughout the first two games. Illinois, for the most part, as an offensive line group, has done a good job of keeping Brandon Peters upright. The real only times that he got pressured was because a running back not named Reggie Corbin, who's having to come in and play a little bit more, ha- missed a blocking assignment. And that's why Peters got rocked. That's why he got fumbled uh, late in the in the red zone that could have led to a, another touchdown that could have helped Illinois get some more se- separation from UConn. So I think Lowe has been everything you wanted and more. I mean, remember when Phil Steele had him as second team all Big Ten? I, I read that and I go, what the heck is I Phil watching, I, right? Yeah, I, I said, I think he meant Palcheski. Yeah, yeah, right, right. Palcheski wasn't on 
the top four. I'm that like, would have made sense, right? I think he meant Pelcheski there. Right? I don't know. He might be right, though. <laughs> right. Vidarian could be in the mix for that. He's at six for me. All right, number five. And I have a hard time with this one, but I have to just because he hasn't played a lot. And it's it's Reggie Corbin, right? I mean, I think that he's really— I don't have Reggie on my list. Really? Because I took this as the top ten through the first two games. Okay. So Reggie's not on there. Okay, I, that's fair, but here's my other point on this. Reggie makes this entire offense go. Without Reggie here, I mean, you saw how the running game didn't really work that well against UConn, against a UConn defense that wasn't very good when Reggie Corbin wasn't in the backfield. I think that might speak to his value even more you without know what him. I like? Yeah. You know what I like is the running game not working very well is 140 rushing yards now. Sure, yeah, you know that's right. I mean? Like, remember like, when the that, basketball was like 45 sign. rushing yards, and that's oh wow, that's a bad day. Yeah. Like, like Norwood had a big run, like that two years ago. Illinois would have dreamed of, right? Like Dre Brown had a couple good runs, but yeah, I, I know what you mean. There is a drop off um, from Corbin and Epstein to those next guys. Yeah, so that's why I have uh, low at six, Reggie at five. Now it's the top four. Mm-hmm. I think I know kind of where you're going with some of these, but who you got at four and three? Uh, my number four is Jake Hansen. Uh, I think he's been ridiculously solid. Uh, I think he's been real. I mean, two takeaways in the first game, that automatically gets you into the top five of this list. I mean, two take, that is exactly what changes games right there. Uh, and I think he's just been a really good linebacker going sideline to sideline, has made some plays behind the line of scrimmage. What's he got? A, a full sack now? Because I think he's been in on yes. half of, uh, in each game. He's been a good blitzer for them. Uh, I, he's everything you've wanted uh, out of him. Now it's against inferior competition. Can it translate? But I think he's been a lot better in pass coverage as well. His drops are a lot better than they were uh, a year ago. I know Miles Smith are argued with whether he was good in coverage or not last year, um, but he's a little bit undersized. Will he be able to be as good against tight ends? I think that's where Milo comes in. Is, is Milo is going to be matched against those guys a lot more? But what you want of a weak side linebacker is a playmaker and a sure tackler, and Jake Hansen has been all of that for Illinois. At number three, I got Josh Matorbebe. I think he has been invaluable for this team. When they need plays, he's made plays. I don't know if they win that game without at UConn without Joshi Matorbebe. The two plays he made. Now, Brandon Peters, is, who's on my list pretty high here, um, he, he made a heck of a play on that rollout, but they don't have a receiver that goes and gets that ball and wins that ball last year. And, and I'm including Ricky Smalling into that. Um, he had the other touchdown catch where he just ran through a guy, right? The defender's arm tackle, he ran through it and scored. And uh, I think he's just been seven targets, six catches, 76 yards, two touchdowns, and the other incompletion was a pass interference uh, that that is a huge impact and i haven't even mentioned his blocking which is probably the best on the team uh the wide receivers plus I, you know it isaac if we're doing a top five interview on the team yes he's number one yes <laughs> i think that but that maturity uh and hunger and all those things i think are really valuable to to a team that doesn't know how to win it's amazing what this guy's done with the opportunity. And I, I don't think he'll be the leading receiver. I think Sydney can pass him up here, right, in, in a couple of weeks. But I, I think his impact is huge. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree anymore with what you said there. I, I, at four for me, I have your boy Nate Hobbs. And I think that Nate has been not targeted a ton in the passing game. That's why he doesn't have an interception quite yet. Uh, but that, but that, I don't really look at that because he's done really, really well in his times where he's on matched up in one-on-one things. Now, Illinois is playing a little bit more zone, which I don't necessarily always agree with. I think that sometimes this defense should trust their stud corners and Quan Martin and Nate Hobbs let them go to work. But you just look at his tackles right now. He has 14 Great. total tackles through two games. 
two tackles for a loss. Last year in nine games, he had three tackles for a loss. His freshman year when he played in 11 games, he had two tackles for a loss. And so he's already at two right now after two games. I think he's on pace for an all-Big Ten type of season, and he's starting to showcase everybody else, kind of what we see in training camp. He is really, really, really good. I have him at four. Yeah, you know how much I like Nate Hobbs. I don't have him in my top ten here through two games, um, but I do think he's been great against the run. Uh, some things he could probably tighten up a little bit in coverage. We'll see that moving forward, but I have a lot of faith in him. I don't know if they have as much faith in the rest of the DBs, though, yeah. to kind of go man-to-man, which yeah. is kind of what you're talking I, I would trust Hobbs. I don't think they trust the rest of these guys, including Quan Martin. So um, I, I do think he's going to be a top-ten player rest of the year. Uh, Nate Hobbs. Okay, number three, I have Alex Palczewski. Uh Offensive line play, we gush about them at IlliniInquire.com. That's kind of our thing. And the Illinois got two tackles that are great. I mean, we talked about Vidarian Lowe. He, I had him at six, Palcho at three. I think that Palcho is a all-Big Ten type of candidate as well, too. And the thing with Palcho that I really like is, yeah, he was named a captain, and, and you think a captain needs to be rah-rah. No, he's all about leading by example, and that's really important. And he's done a good job kind of ushering in this next wave of young offensive linemen because in a couple years they're going to be gone. He understands that, and so he understands how valuable this type of year is for guys like Jordan Slaughter, for guys like Keevan Myers. For some of these younger guys that are coming up behind him, Julian Pearl is another one that he's really taken under his wing. I think that's really important, too. And then you look on the field play-wise. Illinois run the ball whenever they want. In that first game against Akron, when, when Reggie was un, at running back, Illinois did whatever they wanted on the ground. They like to run behind Palcho. There's a reason why. He does a really, really nice job. I have him at three. Number two. Even though he's probably the most popular guy right now, I got Wally Batiku. Yes, same. Um, he's he's been ridiculous off the edge. He leads the leads the nation in sacks. I mean, we talked all about him in that first segment. There's not much more I could say. He has been invaluable. But the most important guy on this team has been Brandon Peters. Uh, seven touchdowns already. Everyone's talked about it. That's more than AJ Bush had all of last year. Matches Jeff George Jr., who played the most starts two years ago. I think they have a a plus at quarterback, and it's been. A long time. Bryce and Nathan Schillhouse. Right. And Riley O'Toole's run. West Lunt, I liked him. He was a plus for non conference games. Once he got to conference play, uh, defenses, it was too easy for them uh, to kind of key on him. So uh, I think Brandon Peters gives you a difference maker. He's been better than I thought, Isaac. Um, maybe not as a passer, because I think this is kind of what we expected, but his. Running ability, I said it during camp. I don't think we're going to get a great read on it because no one can tackle him, right? Or no one's going to even touch him. But what we've seen through a couple games is he's strong. He can uh, stand in the pocket and take a hit, um, kind of play through traffic. But then he can he can make people miss. He can run by a linebacker like he did at UConn for a first down run. And we haven't seen a quarterback make the play he did. Uh, to Imator Bebe in a really, really long time. So the pick six put his team in a bad position, and he's going to probably make some mistakes. I don't think many, but he's going to make some mistakes as we get into Big Ten play. But right now, through two games, he looks like a top half Big Ten quarterback compared to the rest of the league. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah, yeah. I have that too. I have Wale Batiku as well. For all of the things that we talked about in that opening segment there, I mean, Wale Batiku 
if without him, what are we talking about with this defense, right? We have no idea how this defense would play. I think they'd be fine, but the way that Owen Carney and Isaiah Gay played in training camp and the way that they've done nothing basically through two games really says a lot about them. And for the fact that Wale Batiku has all the attention now and is still going out and competing at a high level, leading the country in sacks, leading the country in tackles for a loss, that, that's unbelievable. He's And the fact that he's number two on this list speaks to how good Brandon Peters has been. And Brandon Peters is my clear number one here because if you Brandon Peters' first two games is making everybody who said, oh no, we need to start Isaiah Williams from game one regardless, right? I mean, don't even play in training camp. Oh, we Mr. don't need... Trotter. What? <laughs> Mr. Trotter. I didn't say I didn't say regardless. <laughs> I didn't say regardless. I said, you asked me who I thought was going to win it, right? Yeah. You know, but also, what I, what I also think is the people who said that Illinois didn't need Brandon Peters on the roster <laughs> because they had Isaiah Williams, because they had Matt Robinson, because they thought they'd have MJ Rivers, that, that looks really dumb right now because he's been fantastic. And the things that he does pre-snap are really important as well, just as important as what he does post-snap. Seven touchdowns, one interception. And that second quarter against UConn where he threw for three touchdowns, that's the best quarter of football that an Illinois quarterback has played in a really, really, really long time. I that, mean, that's a good question. <laughs> what was the last quarter an Illinois quarterback's had? Like, I guess AJ Bush did have one against Kent State, right? That, that, uh, he had a couple good plays. Nebraska, there. yeah, he okay, played pretty dang well against Nebraska. You know, he had his moments, right? But th- this seems um, the balance he gives you, right? The decision making he gives you. Now it's coming after one bad one at UConn. But Matt Robinson probably can't buy, get out of that at UConn, right? No way. Like, I, no I don't way. think he, he – if he makes that mistake, if he can get out of it because he hasn't experienced it before. So that's, that's where it was so critical. Um, Brandon Peters was the most important. And this is what we're talking about. How many transfers we got on this list? The top three of mine are all transfers. Yeah, I have uh, five. Yeah. Like, and, and Trayvon Sidney's going to make a bigger impact. If Trayvon Sidney's like 12 for me. Like he's you right there. Eifler. Petty yep. Bone has been serviceable, yep. and, and, but much better than what they have, otherwise a guard. It, it, that, that's going to make their season. And I said it all along with the recruiting stuff. We can, we can be upset, rightfully, about Willis Singleton or Jalen St. John or Mookie Cooper all that. But the most important guys that this staff has recruited for the future is these transfers because they're here multiple years. And they really decide whether a guy like Mookie Cooper in the future will really pick you. And, you know, we talked about where does he rank, Brandon Peters rank, among Big Ten quarterbacks. I mean, you just look at the numbers. I mean, Elijah Sindelar for Purdue has been awesome. 932 passing yards, nine touchdowns, three interceptions. He's been good. Jack Cohn's been good. Sean Clifford, is, Josh Jackson at Maryland's been awesome. But mm-hmm. you look at where Peters ranks, and he's not a bottom-tier quarterback. He's not 13 or 14. We thought he'd be around 13 or 14. He's probably eight for me. I mean, he's. who would you rather have right now, Brandon Peters or Brian Lewerke? Well, if you put Peters on Michigan State or Wisconsin, right, I feel pretty good about that. Yeah. Right? Like, I, I think that's quarterback capable of taking them to where they want to go. I think Brandon Peters is a quarterback capable of taking Illinois where they want to go. And where do they want to go? That, that's six wins. All right, we got to hurry up here because our, our lists take a long time because we're yeah. That's we'll what go we like, right? Okay, so the next couple lists that we have is our top five freshmen. Not top five freshmen for careers, but top five freshmen based on the impact that they're going to have right now this season. Who is number five for you on this one? I got Isaiah Williams because I still think he can play a role on this team. Right now, I'd, I'd predict he'd redshirt, right? But if Brandon Peters goes down, Isaiah Williams is going to play a role at, at some point, probably. Because I, I don't know if Matt Robinson's going to get through a full season or if uh, Isaiah Williams is going to win the job. 
So I still would say, because he's a quarterback, that Isaiah Williams could make as big of an impact um, as all but you know a couple guys. But he obviously, if he played quarterback, so I'm going to put him on this list just because quarterback can they stay healthy through an entire year? If not. Isaiah Williams will be in the mix. Yeah, I think that is a decent call. At five for me, I have Casey Washington, just because if a couple wide receivers go down, he's going to play a lot more. You've seen him a little bit on special teams. I think he's played two, both games. Yeah, because right what's, what's the latest on Reams? Because I have Washington four, I, and I agree with you. Because like, if Imatro Baby are small and go down, it gets scary. Right, and I think Washington's that guy because Reams, again, throughout practice this week, has a boot on his foot. He's not walking all that well, so it doesn't look like he's close to coming back. I mean, he's not even practicing, let alone having the boot off. So I I think that he's at least two or three more weeks away from even even getting in the discussion of getting back on the practice field. And I don't know. Edwin Carter's been dressing, but I don't know if he's going to play. Right. like That's still a question about whether he'll actually get on the field. So for me, wide receiver feel a lot better about his starters. It's still depth is scary. Right, right. So, okay, I have Casey at five. I had Isaiah at four, too, just because if Brandon Peters gets hurt, I still don't think Matt Robinson is going to be the guy long term. At that situation, I think Matt Robinson could come in if it's in the middle of a game just to finish out the game. But when you have a full week to prep, Isaiah Williams gives you a little bit more options on what you can do. He's four for me. Yeah. Number three, I have Tariq Barnes. Because if Dele Harding gets hurt, Tariq Barnes is your starting middle linebacker. Or if a linebacker gets hurt, I wonder if Tariq Barnes going to play regardless. Um, so in special teams, I think he's already shown he can be a pretty effective player. Two, this guy didn't play last week, so he could redshirt. But I think Kyron Cumbie plays a role at some point. Yeah, me too. I have I had uh, Cumbie at three and then Barnes at two as well. We're kind of on okay. the same track here. I'm interested about number one, though. <laughs> It'd be interesting if we have different guys. Okay. But because of the lack of depth, I have Devin Withers. Same. Okay. I, I, we are on the same thing here again. Yes. Because the, think about this. Class of 2019, it was basically over. And then we get a, a, a notification on Twitter that Devin Ooh. Witherspoon commits to Illinois. Yeah. And originally, I thought that was a class of 2020 kid. I was so like, I've never I. heard about this dude at all. I, I thought he was a Juco kid. Yes. Yes. Because <laughs> he was going Juco. He's going to Hutchison. And now he's the number one guy on our list here. Number one. Which, which says everything about depth. Yeah. I, I do like him. I mean, when you and I saw him at camp the, the first week or that he was at camp, like, he's skinny. Uh, he's really skinny, but he, he plays physical, and he, he's got the tools they like. He's got long arms. He's athletic, good hips, um, but he's a second-string cornerback, so I have to have him that high on the list because if Quan or um, yeah, if Quan or Nate Hobbs gets hurt, yeah, Walker might get in, but I think Witherspoon's going to have to play. I think Witherspoon has more natural skills and yes. talent than, than yeah. Walker does. Also, he has the height and length that Lovey Smith likes. So, that, yeah. That's the depth that still is a concern as we go through this season. Exactly, Both exactly. Wide receiver, corner, all of it. And also, the, just the fact that Shimon Cooper isn't on this list or uh, Marquez Beeson, obviously, with the injury. like The fact that those two guys aren't on the list and that Isaiah Williams is low and those three defensive ends that we like and Randolph and Seth Coleman and Moses Okpala aren't on the list, that's not a bad thing. That isn't no, a bad it's, thing. It, it's, and it's positions, right? I mean, Cooper was really impressive in the first game, but I feel pretty good about linebacker depth, right? Um, corner, obviously Marquez Beeson would have played a bigger role than anybody, uh, but he gets hurt. Uh, I really like Keith Randolph. I, I think he had a great camp, but where's he going to play? Who's he playing over at, at defense? I, maybe eventually he gets in over Gay. But I, I don't want to burn a redshirt year for that. No. Yeah. I mean, I, I think if there's an injury to like an Io Shagbanyo right now, you'll see Gay play a little bit more. I think you'd see Owen Carney switch over to Mondesir would probably play. Right? Mondesir would play as well. I mean, I think there's guys that they want to play over him. But if Keith pushes himself in the conversation, they're not going to say no because that's just not the way Lovey Smith works. If you're better than the dude ahead of you, you're playing, right? Like that's how, that's what we learned. 
How about, Isaac, we take a break, do our top five winnable games, and then break down Eastern Michigan. Sure, let's do that. Quick, quick, quick timeout. When we get back, let's do our top five winnable games. Illinois needs four more to get to bowl eligibility. Welcome back to the Illini Inquirer podcast. Isaac Trotter, Jeremy Warner. We're in a season of lists. We've done our top 10 Illinois players. We had some disagreements on that, different uh, takes on how that top 10 list goes. Then we did our top five freshmen on based on the impact that they're going to play the rest of the year. And with such a small class, it makes sense why both of us were kind of on the same path. We had Devin same Witherspoon, yeah. number one, uh, Tariq Barnes in that mix, Casey Washington, Isaiah Williams, Kyron Cumbie. Those were the five there. But now let's go to our top five most winnable games for Illinois. Let's include Eastern Michigan in this, yeah. right? So if we're going number one, winnable games, it's not Eastern Michigan for me. It's Rutgers. We're on the same page. I think Eastern Michigan is dangerous this weekend, and we'll get into it in a little bit more, but I don't like I don't know if I love this matchup here, and I'd be much more comfortable well, playing Rutgers right now. Well, Rutgers, like, here's how I broke that down, because Rutgers is more talented. They have some good running backs, right? Like I like some of their yes. weapons. But Eastern Michigan has the quarterback advantage. And to be honest with you, I think they have the coaching advantage. I would so agree that, with that. that. That's why I have Eastern Michigan ahead of Rutgers. Um, two years ago, Eastern Michigan beat Rutgers at Rutgers, by the way. So I think Rutgers has the athletic advantage, the size advantage. But Eastern Michigan, I think, has the quarterback and coaching advantage. So I have Rutgers one, Eastern Michigan two. I think both those need, obviously, to be Illinois ones. Yeah, th- those are exactly how I am, too. I, I, I just feel... I feel like it's going to come down to depth when you play Rutgers as well. And are you healthy? And if Illinois continues to have, you know, I mean, Mike Epstein's gone down, Marquez Beeson has gone down. You've had all of these little, you know, Tony Adams goes down, Sidney Brown, you're not sure what his impact is, Stanley Green isn't practicing, all of these different things. If, if that continues to happen when Illinois plays Rutgers in early November, on November 2nd, that could make that game competitive. But as yeah. of right now, I, I think that that's a game that Illinois has to win. Eastern Michigan is two, three for me. This is tough. I can go back and forth on this. I think it's Minnesota. And I the only reason I say this is because Minnesota's offensive line is not very good right now, and I don't really like their quarterback. He made a couple nice throws against Fresno State, had a big one late in fourth and long for a touchdown. But Tanner Morgan has proven that you he feels a lot like Mitch Trubisky in North Carolina <laughs> in, in the Bears, right? Like it, it, their roster around him's pretty good for the most part and one of the better rosters in the Big Ten. But that quarterback holds him back. So I and Illinois did it last year. So I, I have Minnesota at three. I, I've not been impressed with the Golden Gophers in the first two games. I have Nebraska three. Just because they're at home at 7 o'clock, it's a Hall of Fame game, all that things. Great crowd. Yeah. Defense is struggling for Nebraska, and you're healthy. Yeah, I have them at four. You, you mentioned it with Rutgers. Um, November 2nd, I wish that game were October 12th, right? Like I know it's going to be a great crowd for Michigan because it should be a nice day on October 12th. Um, it's, it's the Robert Michigan Rosenthal there. game, right? Like I, that, that's a nice time for that game, and and you wish it was homecoming. I wish that were homecoming. But if, if you could trade the Rutgers game with Wisconsin or Michigan, I think you'd love to have it there because you're going to be more healthy, um, or you should be. So that that's what is a little concerning to me, and that's what I like about the Nebraska game, though. Is is there a little bit wounded right now coming off these games? Listen, Adrian Martinez, if he weren't on Nebraska, right? Yeah, I think you feel pretty good. It's just he is an absolute difference maker that scares you. But I just think the crowd, being healthy, um, having that kind of excitement, I got them number three. Number four, I hate doing this because every year you can get caught into the trap with Northwestern, but they looked awful. Yeah, one, they're not good. Right? Um, but I do think they have, they're going to have a good defense. Um, so that's a concern. The timing of the game, I don't like. But I think offensive skill-wise, I don't see anything that scares me. 
I, I think Illinois' defense can be pretty good. It's just can Illinois and Brandon Peters and Rod Smith score on Northwestern. Um, so I have them for number five for me was really difficult, but I'll let you do your three and four. Yeah, so I, I had the same with you. Uh, Nebraska three. No, I had Minnesota three, so that means yeah. I have Nebraska four. And then five for me, I have Northwestern as well. The, the reason I have Nebraska four ahead of Northwestern is, again, your health. It's early in the season. I don't like this defense that Nebraska has at all. I think you'll be able to move the ball well. And listen, Nebraska has not executed in late-game situations when it's close. We saw that them fall apart against Colorado late in the game. Obviously lost a ton of games late last year. So I think that could give Illinois an advantage. If this game is close in the fourth quarter at home with a big crowd on Hall of Fame weekend, that could matter. Five, I have Northwestern here too ahead of Purdue just because I'm terrified of Purdue's playmakers. <laughs> I think they have right. outstanding guys. I mean, Rondell Moore's awesome. David Bell's really good. Eli Sindelar is thrown for nine touchdowns. And I Blau. love Brom. Uh, and Brom. Yeah, I mean, Brom's just the, the complete difference maker. Yeah. Um, uh, Brom and Moore, uh, Bell, like Hopkins, like there's just there's too many playmakers there. And and, co- and no matter what you think, if, if Lovey Smith turns into a really good Big Ten coach, I just think I think that highly of Jeff Brom that Purdue has the coaching. Advantage. Well, and also the Marcus Bailey injury hurts them a yeah. lot. Probably their best defensive player. So I don't think their defense is going to be great. You but may have the line advantage. Yeah, I yeah. agree with that too. I think on both sides, I think you have the line yeah. advantage. The problem is though, is if this gets into a shootout, I'm trusting Brom. Yeah, I just am. That's how I, I don't it is. know. Yeah, I don't know if Illinois can outscore them. Um, I will go Minnesota five. I I didn't like that matchup um, previous, but nothing's changed for me with Tanner Morgan or even that they just got by with these two wins because they are two tougher games. An FCS opponent uh, that is really good. I think they're better than Akron or UConn, uh, South Dakota State, um, and Fresno State on the road. That's not an easy game. I don't like this road game at Minnesota. I don't like that they're going to want revenge over last year, and I don't like their wide receivers against you. Um, But I do think you have the one thing that gives me a little bit more confidence is probably Minnesota's line play has not been good, and I think you have the advantage there. So if you play clean football up at Minnesota, I think you're going to have a chance to pull off that upset. And if you run the football against Minnesota like you did last year, there's no way Minnesota's beating you, right? If you're able to break that many rushing yards, I don't think they will because A.J. Bush isn't here, but that kind of does it. All right, so Eastern Michigan might but not be number one on the easiest games left for Illinois this year, but it's a big one this weekend. Uh, When I look at this game, let's do a little quick preview at this one. When I I look at Eastern Michigan, they feel like they're an adult team, right? Like they're they're a veteran team. They're probably not going to make a lot of mistakes they beat coastal carolina in their first game and you can say coastal carolina what well coastal carolina beat kansas in week two take that for uh, what it's that worth say, <laughs> right yeah take that for what it's worth but i mean they did beat a power five sure. program so they're a legitimate team um and, and then eastern michigan went down on the road to kentucky and lost last week 38 17 i believe the final score was there kentucky's quarterback did go out with an injury in the fourth quarter didn't play at all terry wilson's a heck of a player that but was still, never really a close game yeah it doesn't look as close as the final score kind of indicates i mean 21 points is still 21 points but at the same time like kentucky dominated that from start to finish they're up 14 nothing early and kind of cruised from that point on yeah um my concern with eastern michigan is they'll have confidence uh i think they're well coached because i i went to eastern michigan in 2010 covering northern illinois and it's a big concrete bowl there's nobody there they crushed cinder box before the game to act tough Right and and they were two and nine and lost seventy one to three to Northern Illinois, which Northern ended up winning the MAC West that year. And Jerry Kill went to Minnesota, but that was a sad program, and they're one of the worst programs in FBS football over the last four decades. 
So for Chris Creighton to get them to -to back-to-back bowls, he's a heck of a coach. Because Ypsilanti is the armpit of Ann Arbor. And and nobody wants to go there. So the fact that he is building a winning culture, he gets people to invest in a $20 million football performance center, is really, really impressive. So I think you have to take them seriously. They have a good quarterback in Mike Glass, who's a dual-threat guy. He's very efficient, did throw two picks at Kentucky, um, which hurt his team, but he threw for 300-something yards. Um, I also think their secondary is interesting because they have three seniors who have played 20-plus games, two guys that have played 30-plus games, and guys that might have a chance at the next level. So I think it's going to be an interesting matchup, secondary against wide receivers, but I do think Illinois has a huge advantage on the lines, and that's where you need your offensive line to dominate. You hope Reggie Corbin can get going and your defensive line to continue to wreak havoc um, and and force Mike Glass into some bad situations. So this is a game where you just want to flex your muscles as a Big Ten team, Isaac, and I've got my previews have gotten boring with my offensive key of the game, but play clean. If you turn it over three times, Eastern Michigan's going to upset you. If you don't turn it over uh, or you keep it to one and under, you're probably going to dominate this game. Absolutely. And I, and I think it comes down to can Illinois run the football, right? And I think they should be able to, to, to run the football no problem, especially if Corbin is back and he was practicing this week. He did have a green jersey on, so he was – you know, quote unquote limited, but he still was doing everything else that the running backs were doing at practice on Tuesday and Wednesday. So I, I expect him to be back. I expect this offensive line to get back in cruising. And you can go up against a defense that averages about, you, they give up about six yards a carry. You can, you can really, really pound that home. I, I think you could see an opening drive similar to like Akron. Remember when Reggie Corbin took almost every handoff throughout the first mm-hmm. drive, right down the field, boom, 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 touchdown, right? I think that's what Illinois should be able to do running the football wise. I'm nervous about this second. I'm really wondering if this if this safety group is going to be able to play. I, I don't think Tony Adams plays. I'm interested to see if Sidney Brown comes back in his full go uh, against Illinois or against Eastern Michigan on Saturday. So if this safety group doesn't play well, that could be a problem, right? Or if yeah, you're playing I mean, Michael Marquez and some of these other guys, that could be a thing where Eastern Michigan picks on him a little bit. I mean, if I were putting my money on it, I'd say Reggie Corbin plays. Yes. If I were putting my money on it, I'd say Sidney Brown plays. Me too. I would put it against Tony Adams. Tony Adams will not play. I, yeah. Uh, Stanley I, I Green will probably play. I think he plays. Right. Um, so that, that that's where I put my money there. Um, my pick to click here, Isaac, uh, I'm going to go with a, maybe down the list of guys because some people pick Reggie Corbin or Sidney Brown because they're coming back or, or just go with Brandon Peters. I'm going with Daniel Barker. I love uh, that. A, a touchdown in each of his first games. Uh, Peters did miss him for a touchdown in the first game as well, so he could have had more than that. But this is a one of those four-two-five defenses where a tight end, especially a split tight end, could pose a lot of problems. And I, I know they're experienced back there, but Brody Hoying, who's kind of the hybrid safety slash linebacker, he's 5'11", 210 pounds, and I, Barker might be faster. So I, I think that's a matchup that you can exploit and really hammer. Um, and I, I think that's one across the middle of the field. And I wonder if the playbook does open a little bit um, for Rod Smith because he's going to have to use it. Not that he's hid too much uh, last week at UConn as he tried some different things, including the Stampley end around that didn't work. But I, I think Daniel Barker, this could be one of those games where he finds a lot of good matchups. Yeah, my guy, my pick to click is Trayvon Sidney. I think that they've used him in interesting ways throughout the first two games, but they haven't really used him down the field. I think he had five catches for like 25, 26 yards, 35 yards in that uh, – the game against UConn, I want him to be used a lot more. And if he can get the ball in his hands in space, he can do a lot of different things. And I think that when we talk about a slot receiver, they're so vital for Rod Smith's offense. I think you'll run the ball really well. So Eastern Michigan 
Michigan's going to that's going to be their thing that they're going to try to stop. That's where Sydney can take advantage of some advantageous situations because everybody's eyes are going to be on Ricky Smalling. Everybody's eyes are going to be Josh Amatorbebe. Now it's time for Sydney to be able to use a little bit of and the spotlight's leaving him a little bit. And I still think at the end of the day he might be Illinois' best wide receiver overall. Mm-hmm. And I think he could still lead the team in catches when this is all said and done. And I think he could have a really big game against the Eastern Michigan secondary. Yeah, yeah, no, I, 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 that's a good call too. So, uh, you know, we say run the ball, like you can run the ball, but they can also pass the ball pretty well. You yeah, that's I mean? right. Like, I mean, they're so fifty-fifty now. Like they're, they, I don't know if I could say right now their running game is clearly so much better than their passing attack. Right. Well, and that's that. I think that's going to be a good thing because I still think they're going to be able to run the ball behind this offensive line, and uh, I do think the O line's gotten better at pass, uh, pass protection, but. You have you have weapons now in the passing game, and and, and Barker's uh, definitely included in that. So I, I I think Illinois wins this game. I yeah. think it's a little competitive, um, but I do think they end up winning this game as as long as they keep their turnovers down uh, in in big miscues. Because boy, I was making a list of them during that UConn game as they started to happen, Isaac, and it, it got long, and that's that's the reason that was a game in the final minute. All right, let's do before we get out of here. Let's do our predictions for this one. If you read the site today, you saw mine. I'm going Illinois 27, Eastern Michigan 17. I, I think this game could be really dangerous for Illinois. I think there's a little bit you could see a situation where they look ahead to Nebraska in the night game and all the excitement, and that could be a problem. But after the you know the slow start against UConn, I think this Illinois coaching staff will be on them right away from the very beginning. That they need to wake up, they need to be ready to go. Mm-hmm. Rod Smith didn't mince words at all about this Eastern Michigan team. He he said it's the best team that they'll have played so far this year, and that and that's not coach talk at all. So I, I think this could be a game. I expect Illinois to get out to a lead and then hold off Eastern Michigan down the stretch. I have Illinois 27, Eastern Michigan 17. Yeah, it's similar, 31-10 or 31-20. So I, we have some kind of similar of how this game will go. And I wouldn't be upset about that if I'm an Illinois fan. The the, the uh, Vegas line is 7 now. It's gone from 10.5 to 7. Uh, some money has gone on Eastern Michigan, and you can understand why with how Illinois played against UConn last week. Um, and Akron isn't very good, so Illinois shouldn't feel comfortable, right? And how disappointing would it be if they're sitting at two and one going into Nebraska again? But if they're a three and zero, no matter how you get that third win, I think Illinois fans would sign up for thirty-one twenty-three again this week, right? No matter how it happens, get to three and zero get to Big Ten play against a Big Ten West that seems very vulnerable and there for the taking for a team to kind of rise up. Um, that's what you want. Get through this thing unscathed, and that's why he brought in Brandon Peters. This is what Lovey Smith talked about at training camp. This is their time. He said that he thought that Illinois could make a jump in this Big Ten West. He th- said that there's an opportunity for Illinois to make a rise, and this is your shot. And you can't get that shot unless you take care of business this weekend. All right. That's we gonna, were chatty today. That is. An hour at least, right? That's good stuff, though, for us. I mean, check out our podcasts on all of any place you want to get it. Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, leave us a, a, a review. You can rate us there. It's all on Spotify. I go back and listen once in a while just to see how bad my voice sounds on Spotify. That's always enjoyable. So for the most part, though, good stuff today. And we're going to do a podcast after the game, right, on Saturday, yeah. right? Yeah, and we got some special coverage. we got a good story we're working on. Are you dropping Saturday. that knowledge right now, or are you going to no, save it? No, it's just a tease that I'm doing something different. All right, yeah. sounds good. That's All right, should be fun. again, rate us and review us, but thanks so much for listening to the Line Enquirer podcast.